Welcome to Transform, a podcast highlighting the people and ideas shaping the future of senior living. I'm Nick Andrews for Senior Housing News. On today's episode, I spoke with Tim Mallett, CEO of Forefront Living. The Dallas-based senior living nonprofit has two CCRCs and offers a range of services for older adults. Forefront Living this year announced a 10-year lease agreement to open a tuition-free preschool at its Presbyterian Village North community in Dallas with the Bezos Academy, an organization founded by Amazon's Jeff Bezos. And looking ahead, Mallet sees these kinds of collaborations as a growing part of Forefront's mission. The commitment to intergenerational programming is a commitment that we'll maintain no matter where we go, Plano, uh, San Antonio, Tarrant County, etc. So that's just part of our, our DNA and who we are. But before we get to the interview, I would like to take a moment to highlight our SHN Architecture and Design Awards. This annual competition recognizes cutting-edge design and excellence in senior living across the U.S. and abroad. Visit Senior Housing News to view this year's winners. And with that, here's my interview with Tim Mallet, the CEO of Forefront Living. Tim Mallet, thank you for joining me on Transform today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, before we get into anything specific, it's like paying a tax. We've got to check in with people on how uh, you're doing in your recovery from COVID. Doing well. Uh, organizationally, we're doing very well. Uh, you know, I think like everyone else, it, it definitely was a unique time and a unique experience. But Forefront Living as a whole is, is emerging very strong and uh, with an eye towards the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, and, and occupancy, how's occupancy doing since COVID? Occupancy, we've been very fortunate that throughout the pandemic, our occupancy uh, remained high, especially in independent living. So and demand for the product as well remained high. Yeah, it seems that that's a very fortunate situation. That's not a, a consistent story throughout senior living. So it's a very fortunate position to be in for sure. So I want to talk about the Bezos Academy. So in January, it was announced a 10-year lease agreement with Bezos Academy. It's a tuition-free preschool in Dallas. Can you tell me what this is and what's the plan exactly? Well, I'll take a big step back for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the pillars of our strategic plan is to be a community resource. So not just the the organization that takes from the community, but the organization that gives back and shares who we are. And uh, as the board approved that initiative, uh, an email went out from uh, George Lineal, who's the executive director for Leading Age Texas, saying that the Bezos Academy was looking for sites in Texas, uh, in particular Dallas and Houston. And it, it was just intergenerational, the ability to give back to the community, having a campus on 66 acres with a number of buildings that are at different phases of life. We had a building that we were transitioning healthcare out of that was originally designed for adult daycare. And uh, we had opened up two wings there. And lo and behold, this uh, request came out and it was just this perfect fit. Mm. The building was already designed uh, with common areas and rooms could be used as classrooms. So it just fit with our mission, vision, and then our values. Yeah. So uh, it's a 10-year lease. So that's, um, you have to fill me in. Is that is that something that seemed like a good idea? It was, is that a long lease? Is that a, kind of in the middle? Where Where is that in terms of length? Oh, it's definitely a long lease. Yeah. And, and uh uh, it's a commitment to a partnership mm-hmm. more than anything else. Uh, so as we evolve and grow, we're, 
We're very confident the Bezos Academy will evolve and grow with us. Yeah. And so I, I kind of want to like talk about how the deal came together. I see that you were working pretty closely with Leading Age Texas. What's your relationship like with them and how is that? How'd that work here? Well, our, our relationship is is excellent with Leading Age Texas. Actually, Leading Age National had uh, some involvement. I am actually a board member uh, for Leading Age Texas. So again, mission, vision, values aligned there as well. So they were very much the vehicle or the the entree to us. So George Lineal put out the the um, request, and a number of folks jumped in and said, "We can do this, and we want to do this." It, it seems like like you said, it, it aligns with your mission and whatnot. But how did you? I mean. It came together very, very perfectly. But how did you decide on this as something that you wanted to do? It's a preschool situation on a senior living campus. It's kind of counterintuitive, but maybe even just incredibly intuitive, very basic. Well, what, what was interesting and has been interesting. So we have this, this very active, independent resident population that uh, has been out the entire time volunteering the, probably three years ago or so maybe four now, uh, the residents had developed a relationship with one of the schools through a pen pal program. So there had already been uh, a precedence on our campus of residents working with children, and they were uh, learning cursive writing and writing letters. And we saw from uh, that activity, which is still going on today, just I, I think the joy between the two groups of individuals, between the children and the residents, the growth in the children, the happiness in the residents for, for having those relationships. So this, I saw this and I thought, gosh, we already know how good it is mm -hmm. and how good that interaction is right. and how healthy. What a perfect fit. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So I guess the most important question I'm going to ask is, do you still remember how to write in cursive? I went to Catholic school, oh. so that's the only way I write. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, I, it's a lost art uh, for sure. So that that's such a great way for this to kind of start organically. But is there any future programming planned between uh, the, this this intergenerational crossover? You know, it's the art of the possible. I, mm. I think anything is possible with them on our campus now. I think you know they're they're coming to us with uh, our arms wide open. Uh, and what's nice is you know the, the teammates the. The, the management team at Presbyterian Village North, they have a tremendous programming department. And there's just so many ideas. I hope the Bezos Academy can will be patient with us uh, as we look forward to ways that uh, we can promote that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess if you're talking about looking forward, I know that you have a community in Plano. Do you think that there are any plans or any vision for something like this happening at that, uh, the Outlook at Windhaven? Well, the Bezos Academy drives where their locations are. Mm and what the criteria is, but the commitment to intergenerational programming is a commitment that we'll maintain no matter where we go. Uh, Plano, uh, San Antonio, Tarrant County, et cetera. So that's just part of our, our DNA and who we are. Yeah, of course. And I get that. That makes sense. So I, if it aligns, it aligns and it, it, it aligned here. So that seems like it's going to be a good relationship. Uh, we asked about COVID at the top. Now the other issue that everyone is talking about and for good reason is staffing. Now, I just specifically want to ask you first uh, how that's going uh, at Forefront. How are you having trouble fulfilling positions? Is it affecting morale? Is it affecting uh, move-ins or anything like that? How, how is your relationship with finding staff right now? You know, it's interesting that uh, you're asking this question. <laughs> I 
literally just walked out of a, a meeting and that was the topic of discussion. I think it's that it, it's not just forefront living, as you know, it's the, the entire industry. And one of the takeaways that I have is a lot of us are focused on dollars and cents mm. and making it a wage issue. We're looking at it from the cultural side. What, what can we do uh, related to the work environment and the employment experience uh, to become a, an environment where people choose to work? The, the labor pool is different. People are working differently um, and, and they're making different choices. So uh, we've always had a strong commitment to culture and teammate empowerment and teammate growth. So we're looking at it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and in the same time, we're looking at how do we operate? What, you know, the, the residents and the services they're expecting are evolving as are what the teammates want. So that's all coming together. Uh, and we're hitting it from a very, uh, I think, a vantage point of creativity. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I said, out of the possible earlier, it's the same way. Yeah. So I guess there, there are two things that I've sort of, I guess, found in the last six weeks or so really diving into different solutions, because it seems like it's a big moment of creativity to address the staffing crisis, because it's not you know just uh, in senior housing, it's, it's everywhere. So what I found is two things. The first is that operators are really looking inward to try to find a way for people to want to be there, as you said. And what I found that they're sort of finding is that FaceTime with residents is really improving and getting to care for people, getting to be around the residents. And the second thing, we're talking about uh, how to increase pay or whatever. I found that a lot of people are interested in something along the per diem basis or being paid immediately after a shift on uh, different softwares that allow staffers to get paid right away after a shift. Can you just comment on uh, increasing morale with with, uh, FaceTime with residents and, and any sort of per diem or software options that you've looked into? I can definitely discuss the FaceTime. I, I think we're looking in some ways at a generation of future teammates that that is motivated differently. And, and it's not entirely dollars and cents, but having a sense of meaning in the work they do. So having that that relationship and that right. ability to interact, it's, it's not that much different than what we talked about with Bezos. There's a there's very much a, a reciprocal relationship uh, between an interaction with a resident, uh, between a, a teammate and a resident. I think both walk away stronger. I, I think really not so much getting paid Im- immediately, but having flexibility right. and flexibility in their work day and, and working differently, uh, working in different positions, not, not always, you know, being there's been a little bit of feedback, more than a little bit of feedback of people not wanting to be boxed in by a position. Why do I, why am I just the driver? Why do I just work in maintenance? Why can't I work in multiple areas and have different experiences? So, so having that flexibility uh, in your workday as well, I think that's something that we're, we're deep into exploring and we've made some changes to some positions already on the retirement side and have some, had some, good experience with people doing different things. Yeah, that's really interesting. Actually, you say that because I have, uh, my brother got me a membership for a coffee service and I have a Friday coffee. It's this different thing I get every Friday and look forward to Friday because I get my Friday coffee. I get to try something gourmet just just to change it up to uh, look forward to your your daily grind, right? 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Been writing some stories recently about how robots were deployed during COVID to clean some rooms and other uh, operators using robots to perhaps deliver food or do other things. A lot of interesting and kind of sexy things happening on uh, the technology front. Are you guys exploring any of that? Are you testing anything? And and if you, if so, how do you go about piloting a program like that? I'll, I'll answer your question from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the things that kept this organization strong was communication and direct communication with residents and teammates and family members. And you know, like the rest of the world, the beginning of the pandemic, we discovered Zoom, but we also discovered a number of different ways to keep individuals informed, whether it, it was through specific software that managed messages to different populations, uh, and uh, residents especially have become very comfortable in a virtual format and in electronic format. And, and that was something that we weren't, I think we were anticipating, but we were uh, trying to overcome the hurdle of the training piece of it. So we've now got this platform where we can engage people electronically right. and communicate to them in real time. And they still want the face-to-face more than anything. Mm. But also there's been this really interesting reliance upon Alexa for reminders and for ordering. And we've seen, to tie the interview back, I guess the earlier question, the strong relationship with Amazon mm-hmm. and deliveries and things like that. So we're, we're really shifting our platform. Robotic delivery of services, not so much, at least right now because of that uh, strong desire for that face-to-face right. interaction. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I kind of want to circle back to when you were talking about Zoom and, and d- different platforms that made communication, I guess, accentuate communication that became sort of a necessity, it feels like, during COVID. Do you think that while we've always been heading towards a virtual environment, do you think COVID expedited that in any way with training or acceptance or anything? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think... Probably most people have a Zoom fatigue right now and are, are a little tired of the virtual environment, but it, it really enabled us to be nimble and act in real time. Yeah. And in many ways, uh, we switched to a virtual platform on the marketing and sales side the first week of the pandemic. And I, I will always look back and say that, that that's really what helped save this organization and helped it prosper. Because people still wanted the connectivity, they still wanted the information, but there's nothing like looking somebody in the eye, whether it's through a screen or face-to-face. Yeah, no, it's true. So we have this platform that we use to record our podcast, Little Peek Behind the Curtain, and it's similar to Zoom. It does a little bit more audio focus and some other things going on in the back end, but we can still look at each other. And it makes Correct. a big difference. It's, it's, uh, I, I can't uh, see myself flying out to see you just for this podcast, but here we are, we're taking care of it and it, it improves the communication. 100%. So I want to talk now about other things that you're doing at Forefront. We've seen operators, specifically those with on the nonprofit side or those with a big scale, um, start to branch into offering other services like home health. So Forefront already does rehab as some inpatient and outpatient hospice. Are there any other services that we can talk about for 2022 or maybe beyond? Home health is, is definitely something we've had our our eye on home health and, and even private duty, more private duty mm. than I would say home health. During the pandemic, I think in our industry, one of the the, the biggest risk factors of the unknowns were the, the people 
that were coming into the communities from outside serving residents. And it, it really opened our eyes to the need to uh, help manage that. Number one, when they didn't show and residents were looking for services, it came back to us to help provide the services. You know, anything from meal delivery to any sort of additional assistance with housekeeping or other things. Now, during the pandemic, as the, mm. the common areas were closed, obviously staffing fluctuated and could do all sorts of different things. So that that led to the thought that obviously there's a need for that, but there's also a need to look beyond the traditional service platform. And uh, as we come out of this, residents are really looking at a very customizable level of services that they have. So they're, they're not necessarily looking for one meal per day, weekly housekeeping, et cetera, et cetera. They're looking for this individualized platform. So that that's helped us look at at how we rethink services in general and how we deliver them. Obviously, we have a a hospice and it's got a large home-based platform, which for us is great because it's a springboard into, shall we say, private duty or even home care. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess it's it's so interesting when you you point things like that out. I mean, perhaps will be studied for years or decades about how COVID could have this sort of impact. But people aging at home, of course, was a trend. Do you think that the attitude towards that and towards, as you mentioned, the more customizable experience changed after COVID or perhaps people were demanding it more or less? Are there any any new observations that you had in the last couple of years? Well, is that is different? Strictly Tim Mallett's observation. Oh, okay. I had it, had it last night again. We had an event uh, for future residents at... Uh, the outlook at Windhaven. And what was really interesting is I stood back, the the new prospective residents were most interested in meeting each other and very desirous of community. And I think as people uh, were isolated in their homes and, and especially even your healthier seniors, you know, where before the pandemic, there was maybe an attitude that I'm going to stick this out at home and I'm not going to leave home, uh, there's been an attitude that I really want community. I want face-to-face interaction. I want uh, neighbors. And we had individuals that moved in during the pandemic and, and they said, you know, we may not be in the common areas, but we still have neighbors. We still see people out. We're walking and we're interacting and I'm done with being home and not certain if I'm going to get a delivery right. or you know, there are issues and you can't get anybody to take care of anything. So that's my observation. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I think I heard a comedian say this one time and it really kind of blew my mind, especially, I think I've probably listened to this during the pandemic, but he said, we're such creatures of interaction that if, if some of the prisons that are full of some of the most violent offenders, the worst thing that you can do to them is not put them with other violent offenders. It's to put them by themselves. That's the solitary confinement is the worst thing that you can do to someone who's incarcerated. And here we are all locked behind these doors. Like we just want to see other people and, and just experience some sort of mental, mental relief here. So that's a good transition to something else I wanted to touch on, which is wellness. It's a wellness is a big uh, focus that you guys take care of. And that is a priority for you. So do you see any trends in 2022? I suspect this getting back out and giving people hugs might be part of it, but um, anything else on the wellness front? We have, I gosh, north of 80, 85 wellness-related programs going on at any given time. We've mm-hmm. been very fortunate, especially at Presbyterian Village North, to have 
a wellness center with with a team that is really f- holistically focused on on well being. And it it was really interesting during the pandemic that of any service that we had, whether it was dining, any activity related things. Uh, even the beauty and barbershop, it was access to the exercise room and access to the swimming pool that was the most important to the people we were serving. And it was the one service that we had to figure out how to deliver to them, whether the exercise was virtual or you gathered out on the lawn for exercise or, you know, we had, you know, three people in an Olympic sized swimming pool, socially distanced, doing multiple Uh, types of exercise. And I would say that that has only, that desire for uh, a healthy lifestyle has only increased and is probably among the number one asks and expectations of the people we serve across the continuum. It's not just independent living because our programming goes all the way through school nursing. How are you going to meet that demand? Because if if that's continuing to go up, what are are you looking to to add to allow more people to do that, but in programming facilities, et cetera? Strategically, as we look at building, and when we were looking at the outlook at Windhaven, mm-hmm. we, we found that with Presbyterian Village North having these 66 acres, having the access to the outdoors, even when the indoors were somewhat restricted, was, was a great release for individuals. You know, the outlook at Windhaven is across from Windhaven Park, mm. and there's a series of trails that connects it to the community. So we just don't focus on the swimming pool or the exercise equipment, which is very important, which we invest heavily in. But then we also connect to the community and nature and to outdoor activity. So each time we look at a site, that's one of the very first things I do is what's it adjacent to? How is it walkable? Uh, What are the outdoor spaces or the potential for residents? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what your experience has been like in the last couple of years, specifically with the pandemic, but I've noticed that perhaps I could have a better relationship with the sun. So being outside and and doing that, I think that I I can imagine that um, you know residents feel the same way. Very much so. Yeah. And um, and in, during the pandemic, you just that was the neat thing is they were able to get outdoors. I mean, I think there are a lot of outdoor happy hours going on as well, from what I heard. <laughs> but really structuring, and all kidding aside, structuring those outdoor areas, you know, with uh, exercise points right. or, or stations, as well as gathering points just for camaraderie and social events. Yeah. Okay. So we're getting toward the end of our conversation here. And I want to ask you to look into your crystal ball. I want to remove the labor crunch and crisis that we're experiencing for, as an option. And I want to ask you, other than labor, what's one thing that you are excited about in 2022? And what is one thing that you're worried about? Worried is, is hard for me mm. because there, there is, I, I'm probably worried about how much opportunity there is. I, right now, I think we are on the cusp of, of so much good change, uh, so much desire to do things in a new in a different way, I think a pent-up demand for what we do and, and a population that wants these services, I probably am more worried uh, about how do we capture that and how do we capture that appropriately. I, I personally enjoy serving. I personally enjoy seeing people satisfied and happy. So, you know, I, 
my eye is very much towards the future and, and how bright it is and how much opportunity there is. And, and I want the, the folks that need the services to be served in mm. the right way, in a good way. Sure. Um, okay. So last question. Last, last okay. question. Um, imagine I am one of two people. Either I am 18 and I need a job or I am 22 and I'm about to graduate with my bachelor's in business. Pitch me on working in this industry. Just did that last night. Yes. There, I, I took a part-time job while I was in college that was supposed to last three months. It has now been or will be 35 years in May. Uh, no day has ever been the same. Uh, if, if I were 22 now and I wanted to um, have an opportunity that I could mold and make my own and grow and grow quickly and have fulfillment, there's nothing better than senior living. And you can enter at any level of senior living. The demographics are in your favor and, and career longevity and employment longevity is almost guaranteed, certainly. Well, I've heard plenty of a lot of fun. Oh, and that's uh, that's what I keep hearing. And I've heard a lot well, of first and foremost. You know, a lot of operators are recruiting in college and in high school, and and now forefront with uh, the Bezos Academy is recruiting in in preschool. So I, it's what a what a great opportunity there that's going to be for those guys. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining uh, the show today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, Nick, thank you. It's it's been enjoyable. And that does it for this episode of Transform by Senior Housing News. I would like again to mention our SHN Architecture and Design Awards. You can visit Senior Housing News to check out this year's winners. For Senior Housing News, I'm Nick Andrews. Thanks for hanging out.